Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. So good morning. It's so nice to see you here, all of y'all here today. The last time I stood up here and preached, it was me, myself, and the wall back there. And the wall didn't give me much applause or much of anything, but it was there. At least it didn't leave. So um, it's so wonderful to be here this morning in a warm place. This morning I will be preaching from uh, John 14, the 15th through 31st verse. Uh, That scripture comes to us and speaks to Christ's desire for us to love him. So today we're going to be talking about a whole lot about love. And we're going to be talking a whole lot about the Holy Spirit who Christ brought down to us because of our love. And we're going to be talking about other few things along the way. But let me also express that in this conversation today from John, when John was talking to his disciples, it was less than 12 hours before he was to be crucified. John, I mean, Christ knew he was going to the cross in just a, a few hours. At the same time, the disciples had just found out that he was going to be leaving them. So they were very anxious and afraid. It was tense. You could cut the tenseness with a knife. That's the perspective of when these words were spoken by Christ. So again, three topics. We're going to talk about loving Christ. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit is our helper. And we're going to also talk about the role of love in unity, love and unity of the church. Let me start by praying, if you don't mind. Dear Lord, um, give me voice to express the words that you intend for your people in your church this morning. Lord, help me be clear with regards to love. Help me be clear with regards to the person of the Holy Spirit. And help me be clear with the concept of unity and what it means to be unified amongst the body of Christ. Lord, uh, as I humbly come before you to preach your words and read your scripture, I know it's with the help of the Holy Spirit who is with me here as I stand here this morning. And for that, I give you praise. In your son's name, I pray. Amen. So, couple of things I want to point out before we get started. We're in the middle of a sermon series that's entitled Abiding in Jesus. But if we look at the book of John, which all of our messages are coming back from this week, it speaks to his desire for us to know that Jesus is the Son of God and that he is the Messiah. So all of the points that we have been studying and we will be studying for the next few weeks is all based on the knowledge that John wants us to know that Jesus is the Son of God. Specifically, if we look at John 20, 31, it says, These are written down so you will believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and in the act of believing have real and eternal life in the way he personally revealed it. So in essence, he gave us the scripture and then he said, Okay, let's set that aside for a second. Let me tell you why I just told you all this stuff. He told us all this stuff that we'll know that Christ is the Son of God. The topic of our sermon series is Abiding in Jesus. That's the title. 
And, you know, okay, I don't use the word abiding very often day-to-day in my own language. So I want to change the words a little bit, and hopefully it'll make it a little bit clearer what we're getting after here. I'm going to use the word living, that we are, how do you live in Jesus? As Christians, how does he ask for us to live? In John 15, 7, he says, in in the ESV it says, using the word, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done. So let's switch that around a little bit. and Let's say, if you live in me, and if my words live in you, then ask for whatever you want, and it will be done for you. So I like to look at it with regards to how do we live with Christ? How do we live in him? How does he live? In us, our lives are completely connected to Christ as Christians, body, mind, and soul. When we accepted Him as our Savior, we accepted Him into our bodies as part, and to live with us. We're going to talk a lot about that, but first, if there's one thing that I'd like to be successful today is understanding what it means to love Christ and what it means for Christ to love us. I mean, all of us who've gone through church many years and we talk about you know it's all about love you know God is love he wants us to love each other love this love that well what do we mean about love and I want to try to sort of make it very uh, obvious to us Um, the first uh, Gadaren just a few weeks ago preached from um, also in John 13 34 he said a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you you also are to love one another. That word love can mean a whole bunch of things. If you've been, you know, from this pulpit and many other times, we've, we've heard sermons about love. We've heard about romantic love, and we've heard about sibling or brotherly love and phileo love. And we've focused a lot on agape love, self-sacrificing love of a parent for a child and describes both God's love for the world as shown in Christ and the love Christians should show each other and for all people. So let's focus on that self-sacrificing love that's typified by parental love for children and the love those children have for their parents. So I'm going to ask the children to help me with my sermon this morning. So kids, you all have a job to do because you need to help us understand what love is. So I'd like all the kids to go to their parents right now and give them a big old hug and tell them how much you love them. So if you're not so asleep, please go and find your parents. Give them a big old hug, please. And that even if you're, if there you go. Now that's what love is all about. See, when we talk about the love that Christ has for us, it's that kind of love. It's that, that it's that intense it's an intensity of love that comes that way. So if you don't have your mom with you or your dad with you or you don't have kids with you, think back to when you were a child and you really loved your mom or loved your dad or that love was so strong you thought it would never end. I certainly can relate to that. I'm 65 years old, so <laughs> this has been a long time ago. But I can specifically remember very clear memories when I was a child, probably y'all's age, and um, every night, my mom would come in and uh, kiss me goodnight and tell me that she loved me. 
My parents were divorced, so my dad wasn't around. But my mom never failed every single night. And I looked for it every night to have that gratification and know that my mom loved me. And she didn't just love me because she told me or because I knew that she was my mom, but she had demonstrated for me through the things she had done for me that she loved me. It was something she did for me. I saw this. It was, it was, it was a two-way street that resulted in this person really cares for me. This person is going to self-sacrifice for me. This person will give their all for me. I'm going to love that person. When we talk about Christ's love for us, that's what we're talking about. And the love that we, he wants us to have for him is that same level of intense love that we see between children and their parents. So anyway, my mom uh, passed away a couple of years ago. She was 93 years old, and I told you I very much love her. But the very last thing I did as she died was I held her close to me, and I told her, I love you. Because that love, that intensity that I had when I was six was the same intensity that I still felt when I was 63 years old. To love Jesus is to feel that feeling, is to know how just life-altering that is to be because of what he did for us, just as our, our parents did for ourselves. So many of us, as I said earlier, there are a number of people in this world who unfortunately don't have that close relationship with their parents. They're orphaned. Their parents pass before they have a chance to know them. For whatever reasons, their parents don't get them to show that love, so they have this vacant hole inside of them having not had that parental love. Maybe, hopefully, they were able to find Christ and find God and know that he has a love for us that is the same love, that same, I'm going to show you I'm self-sacrificing for you love that we, they want them to have. Um, in 1 John 4, 19, it says, we love him because he first loved us. That's important to know. This is not just you're expected to do it. Look, I, I'm a Christian, so therefore you must love. No, you love Christ because first he loved us. Uh, the, there, are, there will be people, as I said, who don't have those mem memories, but have, once they've experienced that love, that self-sacrifice that someone does for them, as Christ just did for us by going to the cross, we get it. God, in Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He sacrificed himself for us. So it's not just words about self-sacrificing love here. In this case, Christ actually sacrificed himself for us. Nevertheless, I pray that uh, those people who have not had an opportunity to experience that love are able to experience that parental love, that agape love, that self-sacrificing love that comes from God the Father to us and that Christ speaks to in our text this morning. So let's go ahead and dig in. This is some really interesting text. I'd like to certainly thank the preaching team that said, Lionel, I want you to preach from this uh, verses because it's really a, some powerful stuff. And... Um, if you ever have a chance to stand up here in the pulpit, what you'll find out is that 
this scripture is more for me <laughs> than for you. I mean, this talk about connecting one with the Holy Spirit. This has really been the last couple of weeks of really intense, oh, that's what the Holy Spirit's about. It's sometimes not so obvious. It's, it's really obvious. I'm going to try my best to sort of share with you what I've discovered and what it means to me. So John 14, 15th verse, it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Well, which commandments are you talking about, Jesus? He says in Matthew 19, 18 through 19 verses, he said, it was asked by his disciples, which commandments? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and thy mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So he was really clear. I want you to, I want you to know these commandments. I want you to know these words. Wait a minute. There's these other ten commandments. There's ten commandments. Those are only six. And oh, by the way, we know in the Hebrew Bible there's some 613 different commandments that were given from time to time. Can we ignore all the rest of them and only think about those six? <laughs> those specific six? The answer is obviously no. In James 2, in 10th verse it says, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. We are to follow all of his commandments, the Old Testament commandments as well as the specific ones that he spoke to in his own ministry. Gosh, that's hard. There's a lot of them. That's difficult to do. I'm a sinner. I make mistakes. I make the wrong direction from time to time. Oh, that's, you know, can I still expect him to love me and do for me even if I'm missing here and I don't get all everything right and if I still sin? Well, 1 John 1 and 8 verse says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. God knows that we are sinners. He knows that we need help in order to get through life in the way in which he expects us to do. We will all sin no matter how we try to. That's a really tall order. But it's not so much about obeying Jesus, that's the point. It's loving Jesus at the point. He said, it doesn't say if we obey him by following his word, then he, it's, we will love him. It says, if you love me, that's the first thing he wants us to do, then you'll keep my commandments. So you got to start with the love thing first, and then you'll keep my commandments. So that's the first thing to know. Love comes first. It's the first requirement. It's sometimes her if it's sometimes hard to keep his commandments. So um, what can we do? What has God done to make it easier on us, poor sinners, that have challenges in keeping his commandments? Well, in 14th chapter and 16th and 17th verse, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Further on in verse 26, he says, The helper, the Holy Spirit, that is, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you, to your remembrance, all that I have said to you. 
right here, Jesus is saying, I will bring, I will leave a helper with you who will help you make those tough decisions and deal with yourself as a sinner and help hold you up and help you remember the things that I've taught you in my ministry. He's provided a, a, a helper for us. He's provided the Holy Spirit for that very purpose, to help us sinners figure out how to get it right. Um, he is first, let me, a couple of things I want to point out. First of all, let's talk about the Holy Spirit, this helper. It's not an it. He is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's part of the trinity of three people, a God, um, the Holy Spirit, and Christ. And the is part of what he says, um, even the spirit of truth, it means that the spirit that speaks truth to our deceitful minds. So imagine that the Holy Spirit is in the back of our mind speaking to us even when we're looking to make mistakes. The Holy Spirit is there to speak as a spirit of truth to our deceitful mind. The word helper in the Bible here comes from the word paraclete, and it means advocate or someone who is like a lawyer, someone who stands for us, who represents us in the case of going against sin. The word, the helper here is our comforter, he's our intercessor, and he is our advocate. He, in, in essence, is the counselor who takes the place of Jesus' helping presence. When Jesus was on earth, once he's gone, he replaces, he, not replace, yeah, he does replace, he's called upon by, the, by God to come and be in Jesus' place in our minds and our hearts and inside of us to help us as we get through life. He came down during Pentecost. Um, he mentions in the scripture here that um, I will give you another helper. Well, who was the first helper that you gave me? Well, the first helper was, in fact, Jesus. Jesus came to help us. He came to be that person and help us bring us to, to Christ. And also to note that the Holy Spirit's been around before. The Holy Spirit is backing even in the, the uh, first uh, verses of Genesis where the Holy Spirit was, um, in essence, energy and was around the earth while it was being made for us. He was present in the lives of the prophets as they prophesied. He was present at the baptism of Christ by John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit has been around all of this time. The difference is that at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit will actually be in us and stay in us and reside in us at all times from here forward rather than making his appearances and being here and doing what God wills, the Holy Spirit is now with us. And that's the importance of this particular scripture. So here we are, the disciples. Christ is going to leave us soon. And they're stressed. And, but put yourselves in their, shoe, in their sandals, if you will. They're distraught and anxious. And now they get to hear that they have a helper. And that helper is going to do for them. I'm going to go through just a few things that the Holy Spirit does for us. I'm going to use a few scripture and go through a few. Not all of them. If you want to hear all of them, join us after the sermon this morning in our online version, and I'll go through the whole long list of them, and we'll talk about those things. But the, he is a helper who teaches and reminds us. John 14, 26, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I, Jesus, has said to you. He convicts the world of, sin, world of sin in John 16, 7th and 8th verse. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. 
he dwells in believers and fills them. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, God's Spirit dwells in you. He is a source of revelation, wisdom, and power. In 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 through 11, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except for their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And then the final one for this, this morning I'll mention, he guides to all truth, including knowledge of what is to come. John 16, 13, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what to hear, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The Holy Spirit is all-powerful, and he resides in us. All right, let's talk about a little bit more about the Spirit. How can I make this a little bit obvious? The Holy Spirit of the Trinity is perhaps the one that people have the greatest challenge in understanding what he is. Um, so let's see if I can help here. Some of you all know, most, many of you all know, I have an electric car, right? And I drove it here, and what you may not know is that I have a name for my car. The name of my car is Whataburger. <laughs> Don't ask me why I named my car Whataburger, but it is, and if you look at the computer on, on the computer, it says Whataburger. That's the name of it. Um, it came with a big battery, seats, tires, it's fast, it's going to go 300 miles, and it's pretty cool, and that's the standard model. I got the super extra fancy model, right? I've got the one that will drive itself. I mean, I push the button, tell it where to go. It'll drive there. If I'm standing in the parking lot I, at the grocery store and it's raining, I can tell the car, come pick me up, and it'll drive itself to the front of the grocery store and pick me up and take me where I want. And it's got all these extra features. I mean, I had to pay for the extra features. It didn't come standard, and it's an extraordinary car. Now, let me first preface this by saying um, my, my wife doesn't fully approve of the car. I have a lot of gadgets as it is, and this, for her, it's just another gadget. And she also says, well, Lionel, you have to make sure that you don't let this car become an idol and that I worship the car <laughs> and what I should be worshiping. So, Holy Spirit, please help me not worship my car this morning. That's not the point. Um, unlike my car, however... The base model Christian, that is you and I, all of us who believe in Christ, the base model, we get the Holy Spirit for free. The Holy Spirit is part of the base model Christian. If you're a Christian, if you believe in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes with a deal. Um, what, what does the Holy Spirit add on cost? Well, it's, it's free, all it, except that it, it, all it costs us to do is we have to love Jesus and to keep his commandments. So for loving Jesus and keeping his commandments, as a base model Christian, we get the Holy Spirit thrown in as part of who we are. Uh, what was the price of our lives with Christ? Well, of course, he paid with his blood, his life, and his sacrifice. So that's who paid for this base model that we have. Um, so that's a good thing. You know, base model Christians, Holy Spirit comes with us. All we have to do is believe in him. He wants us to love him and to follow his word. Now, when we drive our car down the road, Tesla, whatever, my, my electric car, there are two types of passengers who might come along with us. There's the passenger who sits right next to us, and they help give us directions when we're lost. 
If we want to eat a Whataburger, they'll take the wrapper off of it and hand it to us while we're driving down the road. If we drop something, they'll pick it up. Uh, if we get tired, they'll help keep us awake. If we're lost, they'll help us find our way. Then there's the other kind of driver, other kind of passenger, and that's a backseat driver. A backseat driver sits behind us, and they give us unwanted advice. Uh, he or she is a person who is eager to advise without responsibility. I can see that maybe several of you all have experienced a backseat driver in your lives. Well, what I want you to know is that the Holy Spirit is not a backseat driver. The Holy Spirit is the one that's with you at all times, making sure you make the right turns, whether the wrong turns. If you're going to make go down that wrong path in your life, the Holy Spirit is there for you to say, no, you need to go in this direction. direction. The, the Holy Spirit is not going to give you advice that you don't want and that you don't need. He's going to give you the right advice every time. It's tantamount upon us to learn and listen to what he tells us. So that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He's along with us for the ride of life, and we have to listen to him. It's that simple. We have to love Christ. He loves us. We have to follow his commandments. And we have the Holy Spirit there with us and helps us in everything we're doing. He's helping me right now while I'm standing up in front of you this morning. The Holy Spirit is with me. Thank God for that. The good news is that while Jesus may be gone physically, uh, he will remain in us that believe. And the right way in which he will remain with us is through the Holy Spirit. John 14, 18 through 21st verse says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who, will, who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest himself to him. So if you love him and you keep his commandments, then he will be in you and you in him. He is God in the form of the Holy Spirit that exists with you and inside of you at all times. And because of that, you have a direct connection to Jesus, a direct connection to God at all times. And that's really great to know that no matter what circumstances you find yourself in on any given day, You've got that connection with God right with you through the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 22 through 24, it, said, uh, it says, Judas, not in Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not in the world? And Jesus answered him, If anyone lives with me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And incidentally, there, this is the only place in the New Testament where the Father and the Son are said to both be indwelling in believers and connected with believers. Jesus also promises here that when we die, we will, they will join him in heaven. We, God and Jesus, will come to him and make our home with him. So that's pretty 
important for us. Finally, in John 14, 25 to 27, it says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave you with, peace I give to you. Not as the world gives uh, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither they be afraid. So I'm going to stop here for a second and say how that really convicts me, um, I am not a very good, I don't have a very good memory. I mean, I, I have a, I struggle to remember Bible verses. Those Bible verses, in fact, are those remembrances that the Holy Spirit are there to put in front of you when you're about to make the wrong decision. Those memorizing and knowing what those Bible verses are, the reason you're doing it is because it gives the Holy Spirit something to work with when he talks to you. In my case, um, I can remember back when I was maybe David's age here, and I had to learn the um, uh, Gettysburg Address. And I struggled to learn the Gettysburg Address. In fact, our parakeet had begun to recite part of the Gettysburg Address before I was able to ultimately learn it. So this is a struggle for me. But as I look at this particular scripture, it makes it clear why I have to do this. Because those scriptures that I have in my mind, in my memory, are what the Holy Spirit can use to help me when I need help. So for me, when I read this, I said, oh, gosh, I get it. I get it now. I, can, I may struggle, but I've got to go and learn those scriptures. So the Lord, he gives us peace through the Holy Spirit, and he will bring to our remembrances the teachings of Jesus. The Holy Spirit will bring us peace. So... Final comment I'd like to make this morning has to do with uh, unity in the church and in the body of Christ. Um, as Christians, the Holy Spirit is with us. For me, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, in a very traditional African-American church in Collier Heights there in Atlanta, Georgia. I went to Mount Olive Baptist Church, um, uh, and the Holy Ghost was certainly something that was talked about all the time in our church. People would not just wave their hands and go amen, but they would occasionally fall out in church. And this happened frequently. And it was a hoopla. And people fell out and going, like, gosh, is that the Holy Spirit is work? What's going on there? And it happened so often that our church and all churches in the community I grew up in had a nurse who actually sat there in the sanctuary every Sunday morning with a little white outfit on. And her job was to go and revive the congregants who fell out during the sermon. I chuckled about it now. I was, you know, I was scared to death. I didn't know what was going on when I was a kid. But um, it's, I found this odd that, in fact, someone could be taken over, controlled, I thought, by the Holy Spirit. What I didn't know was that the Holy Spirit was talking to these people as they were hearing the word, and they themselves voluntarily, not forced or created by the Holy Spirit, but from them they understood how much the message, what they were hearing, meant to them. And for that reason, they became very emotional. It wasn't the whole, they were being taken over, but they understood that the Holy Spirit was working inside of them. And it made a difference to them. So for the church, it's important that we all together have the Holy Spirit working in, within us at all times together. Because if that's, if, if that's the case, it means... We all love each other because that's what Christ calls us to do. It means that we all love Christ 
because that's what he calls us to do. And it means that we know his word because that's what we're called to do. So imagine if everyone in the church knows these things and has these connections, what it means for us as a body. It means that uh, we're called and we understand what scripture calls us to do. It means that um, we, every decision that we make in the church is Christ directed through the Holy Spirit. It means that we're in unity about the things that we're trying to accomplish and the things that we're doing in the church. It's important that we know the Holy Spirit because that leads us to unity. So fellow Christians, we have the Holy Spirit to call on when you need him and when you don't. He is there. So that's my word for this morning. Love, it's intense love that Christ is calling for us to have. Christ brought the Holy Spirit into our lives and the Holy Spirit works within us and it's there within us all time. And he, we have unity together because we have the Holy Spirit together and it means as a body of Christ we're unified together. Those are the three important things for us to know. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for being with me this morning through the Holy Spirit that I might share your word with the people who are sitting and can hear my voice this morning. Lord, we pray that our love for you remains deep and rich and full and that we, const we continue to strive to know your word and express your word and through the Holy Spirit connect with your word and everything that we're doing, Lord. Lord, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we love you. We love you like we love our moms when you're eight years old. We love you intentionally. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So real briefly before uh, Elijah comes back up, I'll remind you that uh, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Amen.